Welcome back, Quest fans, to the show that takes you deep into the darkest dungeon, soaring serendipitously across the stretching sea and hurls you heavy-handedly into the heart of heated head-to-head combat. My name is Kip Killigan, voice of the LUQ and servant of the Nexus Enterprise, bringing you live up-to-date news and coverage of all the adventures our many teams attempt and sometimes accomplish. With me, as always, is the big orc on the block, Stormclad Thundertongue. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, thanks for the intro, Kip. Anything, uh, anything you want to add, maybe? Oh, of course. <laughs> Keep your eyes on the shelves of your local book peddler for a copy of Storm's new autobiography. How's the book coming, Storm? Your book's fine, Kip. Book's fine. Come on, you're a walking encyclopedia of facts. You got nothing to say on this day? Today? I... I like your new tie. It really goes with your suit-with-the-torn-off-sleeves look. Uh, thank you. It was a gift. You know, from my Nam-Nam. Well, isn't that sweet of her? It was a birthday gift, Kip. Today's my birthday. Not much of a spotlight type of guy, but I figured you'd at least throw something into the intro today. I mean, we've been doing this for years. You've been following my career for even longer. Hell, I invited you over to my family spirits rest dinner. I thought we were pals. Oh, Storm, don't be mad. I've been really distracted lately. I've been looking all over the Five Kingdoms for something important. Was it a new co-host? No, I think you'll find it under your chair. Oh my god, oh my god, Skip. I knew you didn't forget my birthday. I love present name This is heavy. This is a whole box of stuff? Go ahead, open it. Oh god, oh god, two tickets to Turn Goodgrub's private steakhouse and bottomless ale bistro. A first edition of Seraphales through the veil, and it's signed! Oh, what's this? Oh, Mithrotyclip! Oh, and a bottle of 12.55 for Gamian. Oh, oh, God, balls, kid. This is also, you just, uh... Think nothing of it, my good friend. Happiest of birthdays to you. I'm getting all misty-eyed. That's it. Bring it in. You're getting a thunder hug. That's, that's a pretty tight, Storm. Stay tuned for more blood-pumping action from the League of Ultimate Questing. I'm gonna eat so much steak, they're gonna have to pump my stomach. The following episode of League of Ultimate Questing may contain some slightly dark imagery, some of which involves children. If you're sensitive to this kind of imagination flexing, then you might want to avoid this episode. You won't miss any main storyline stuff, but you can find us in the next episode. The Mortal Dawn has been given four mini-quests. They can choose the order in which they want to proceed. They've also done some planning to do a little bit of shopping at the Guild Square in Lucinilli before they set out. You've all rested for the evening after a very difficult and emotional trial, deciding to keep Harithax on the team on a probationary period. They've paid their fine, and they've been penalized appropriately, and the day is yours. You wake up to fresh pastries and black coffee with Jean-Pierre, who has unlocked the door and found his way in and mm. has made you guys a nice breakfast. I'm just going to be shoveling that shit into my face. <laughs> I need a croissant. <laughs> How in the gods do you say croissant with a Russian accent? <laughs> croissant. <laughs> Give me croissants. Yes, that's pretty good, yeah. yeah. That sounds right. Accents with accents are like incredible. It's great. All right, I'm feeling good. Anybody up for a walk? Maybe we should check the shops. Walking without purpose is incredibly stupid. The purpose might be for you, better armor. Uh, I think I actually have plans for that. Oh, uh, good. If I was going to send a letter to somebody, how do I do this? There's not exactly Pony Express in Underdark. Hmm. Jean-Pierre, 
Yeah? How do you send letter here? You can go to the rookery and hire a pigeon. Depends on how far you're going. You can also go to the mages guild and pay for a transportation spell. Okay, okay. <laughs> I love it so much. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. We're going to enlist the Dornheim to maybe make me that uh, fancy runecraft god. Ooh. I keep thinking maybe not having something big and bulky with armor on me. Yes, we do find ourselves in lots of uh, unusual, tight, sneaky spaces, so... So what I'm looking for is something with the armor class bonus of a breastplate, Mm -hmm. plus, you know, the no uh, sneak penalties, all that kind of thing, but so that I can just put it on. Yeah, it's just a a coat that is hiding a magical kind of breastplate. Right. I'm assuming I won't have money for it, and it won't be done for a while, so I guess I'll just... Well, you'll have to wait till you get a response from your letter. Cool. So how would you want to approach sending that information? I like the rookery idea. Mostly just I like the idea of birds carrying messages. If we're talking about it at breakfast, Sherithax will be like, aren't you a cleric? Can't you cast sending? I don't trust magic to convey things like this. Mm. Okay. A personal touch. How nice. <laughs> More personal than psychically messaging someone yourself? Uh, is that how that works? Hmm. Interesting. So we'll assume Artyom's writing a letter while they're at the breakfast table, posing whatever thoughts he needs to send to Miss Melbar. How can they say cool without saying cool? This is uh, Excellent. Excellent. No, not, not synonym. I don't um, know the thesaurus. <laughs> oh. and, I mean, like, uh, you know, he's uh, implied it. It is uh, super red. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of exclamation points. <laughs> nah. Nah, maybe I should send them my jacket and just have them runecraft that. And there's a knock on the door and be like, may I? Bark, bark, bark. You must. <laughs> How's everyone feeling today? Maven looks like he's actually gotten some rest at this point and is much better. How do you say cool without saying cool? Style forward. Ah, this is good. I like this. Uh, <laughs> style forward. Feeling better. Uh, it's uh, been an exhausting few days. I'm looking forward to at least getting out and seeing the city. Have you ever been to In Lakes? No. Oh, it's massive. It's the capital of Lucinelli. It's the largest city this side of Alcara. I thought this was the largest capital in... What? Where are we? Lucinelli is just a port city. Uh, see, this is the problem. When you have giant bodies of water separating your territories, it gets impossible to tell where the hell you're going. <laughs> well, the ocean reaches from Lucinelli to Inlakes, but there's no major bodies of water between them, save for some lakes. I need to see map. Inlakes <laughs> is surrounded by lakes. That's how it got its name. Mm, this makes sense. Yes, that's where King Elmsor lives, and that's where all of the government officials in all of Leone reside. It's massive. Lucinilli's may be the size of a small subset of Inlakes. Well, so maybe we should wait to do our shopping there? The magic shops are much more stocked in Inlakes, for certain. They have several mages' guilds there. Do they have a lapidary, maybe? I don't gem. know what that is. It's a gem shop. Oh, I am positive that they do. Way to, way to flex. <laughs> hey, I just learned what that was, so I'm pretty excited. Well, Maven would know, but Law sure is fucked up. <laughs> I, I, assumed it, I assumed incorrectly that it was some relative of a dromedary, and I was very wrong. <sighs> I thought it was a butterfly shop. I thought Lepidopterist. Oh, you know? sure. Yeah. I, I should have assumed being, you know, like Lapis. Yeah, that's the, the only route that I can see. Anyway. They most certainly do there, yes. Mm-hmm. It's a massive trade city, to be sure. Very excellent. I've arranged for Woodrow to be ready for you at the Central Foil. He's very patient, so you have the day. I don't really have any particular reason to stick around here. Yes. No, it smells like fish. <laughs> Is there any headway on this? I simply let the Forensics Guild know that you would be doing this quest first. No, no, I mean, do we make any headway on fish problem? <laughs> well, now that we've been accruing more gold, we're well on our way to purchasing the downstairs. Yeah, excellent. Uh, are we far off? I imagine if you complete these four quests, I can have it done within a week. Awesome. Onward! Yes. 
With gusto. All right, so the group heads down to the central foil, having packed anything that they might need, maybe two days to get to Inlakes via the swift seafaring travels of Woodrow. You're staying in the same kingdom, so it's just a jaunt. A jaunt? A jaunt. As Jean-Pierre says, Au revoir. Au revoir. I don't know why I said au revoir. All of French to me just sounds like, And that is why we have more Danish listeners than French ones. He's we actually you, speaking, speaking in Orcish. <laughs> yeah. uh. okay. He says, uh, I look forward to hearing from you. Would you like me to get that letter sent for you, Artyom? The. If you'd rather do it yourself, that's fine. No, this is okay. Very good. Well, best of luck. A little clap of his hands. He sits down and says, I'm going to clear these plates with my mouth. <laughs> 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 so he begins to scavenge the leftovers. And you make your way down to the very familiar central foil. And there is your beloved wooden counterpart, Woodrow, just sitting and waiting, staring out at the ocean. Some seagulls are flying overhead, and his head is following them lackadaisically. Haruthax looks at Woodrow and goes, Well, hello there! (laughs) Didn't hear you coming! Good to see you again, Mortal Dawn! It is always good to see you. Well, it's nice to see you too. I got the seats all warmed up for you in the sunshine. Hmm. I'm glad you said sunshine. I wasn't sure how else you'd warm the seats. I was very concerned too. <laughs> well, it wasn't my own doing, but I'll take full responsibility for it. <laughs> Woodrow, do you know how long the trip is to uh, Inlakes? Should be just about a day and a half if I go real quick, and you know I do. Well, I cannot wait to get there. But we got clear sailing. There's no storms on the horizon. Let's get it going. And Woodrow zips out of the uh, wharf and ducks and weaves between a couple larger galleons, kind of like a motorcycle in California traffic. (laughs) (laughs) With no time at all, you guys are cruising along the Ivory Coast as the pale white beaches soar past you, past mountain ranges and vast forests. On the second day, after resting for the evening and awakening on the boat, as comfortable as you can get while riding in Woodrow. He's kind of spacious, but uh, it is... A lot of sitting still. For a day and a half in what is basically a dinghy. <laughs> Sounds <Yes>. awful. <laughs> it's like a, a day and a half on five Greyhound seats. <laughs> <laughs> Morty is just really impatiently trying to go jump in the water and play around, but he will not keep up. Oh, yeah. This would be a great time to train him to sit. Okay. Uh, go ahead and roll me an animal Ooh. handling. I like it. Uh, nice. So that's a 16. Okay. That's pretty good. You're not trained in animal handling? Guess not. No. Yikes. But you're doing a pretty good job. Morty's doing all right sitting still. He's got like the wiggle butts like no one can control, but he's sitting still. And before long into view comes these huge gleaming towers. You see an absolutely colossal piece of architecture that looks like six castles stuck together, made from several different kinds of stone. As though throughout the ages, many castles have been added onto it, showing the era of Inlakes and leading all of Leone. The wharfs are huge. The ships are frighteningly large. Most of them are naval ships. I look around specifically for Desmond and Delilah's boat just to make sure it's not here. (laughs) No sign of the Oaken Swan here in this port. The gods. So you are escorted by some wharf guards to the end of the pier, and you are led into the trade district of the city via some stairs that lead down to the ocean front. You come into view of several massive bodies of water, huge lakes that surround the city. Some of the city is built out over them. And it seems very portioned off into different guild districts, trade districts, residential districts. There's a massive amount of farmland. All of it kind of cast in the shadow of Castle Almsor. And following the beats of commerce, you can easily make your way to the market square, where there are tons of open front booths, uh, large buildings with signs out front, all of which shouting the cries of commerce, sales, buy this, 
check this out. Click subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> Ding that bell. Yeah. Wow, uh, this is a rather beautiful place. Hmm. I cannot tell. <laughs> I have a hard time telling the difference between one city and another. Fair, but look at all the stone. Look at all the people. Like There is stone in caves. <laughs> there are people in caves. Mm. They are not fun to talk to. <laughs> a lot of the architecture of the town seems like it's been here for a long time. It almost has that Rome-Italy feel where clearly a lot of these structures have existed for a long time and they've been slowly updated, but keep their classical look. A lot of the cobblestone walkways and walls that weave through the town. And there's a lot of poverty in Lucinilli. You guys kind of lived amongst much of it in your stay there. And there's a lot of wealth in Lucinilli, kind of a clear dividing line. This one, there's just a lot more middle class moving about. Um, there's definitely nobles trotting about in their fancy wagons, but there's not as clear a divisive line between the two. There seems to be a lot more commerce here and wealth and trade, more money moving around. Hmm. Well, does anyone know what they might want before we start? I was specifically going to ask you folks, I haven't bought much of my own. Often we were making or trading our own equipment, um, mm -hmm. so I, I may need some pointers. I was waiting forever to say, I haven't bought anything before. I didn't really know what money was until well, God, I was just used to killing people and taking it. <laughs> like, <laughs> Is that a faux pas here? <laughs> System still works. <laughs> well, what might you want? Uh, I feel like I'm... I mean, don't I look pretty? Yes, you know? absolutely. You look very pretty. <laughs> uh, our job. Maybe an bad. earring or a belt. Will earrings make me stronger? Um, they can. How? Magic earrings. I've heard of this. Mm -hmm. So an earring that could cast fireballs if somebody came near me, right? Or like a, a cloak that will turn me invisible. That first seems like it's opening the door for some serious problems. Also, could you already turn invisible? Um, well, yes. I think you answered your own <laughs> question, though. But yes, such things can exist. Is there something that you want to be able to do that you cannot do? I'd like to play the clarinet. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I don't think your clarinet skills will help as much in battle. Unless you're one of those ridiculous people who are running around with their the instruments, they play the lute, and somehow you get the super cool, and you, you kick things better. I don't know. Yeah, I've seen that. Um, bard. They call them bard. Yeah. You're not bard. No. You all look like you're from out of town. Ah. And this figure what? comes hobbling forward. Looks like he's missing a leg, and he's got two walking sticks kind of latched to his arms, both of different make that he's hobbling forward with. Would we'll give it away. You just kind of got that look about you. You need a guide while you're here at Inn Lakes. Will we be kept at your pace? Oh, I move pretty quick for an old guy without a leg, but uh, name's Two Canes. Nice to meet you. Two Canes. I'm assuming you're a big fan of those ridiculous tropical birds. Never heard of them. Do they got two canes too? <laughs> <laughs> some some people tell me I look like a stork with these things. Oh. <laughs> Is Maven still with us? No, he left you. Behind. Okay, he didn't come with us. No, nope. he just jumped on the boat. <laughs> like, just, this sucks. He's been jet boarding behind you the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just crush it, just shredding those waves. Let me tell you, for two silver, I'll lead you to anywhere in Inlakes you want. I know this place like the back of my hand. Sure. Uh, where can we find a good magic item shop? Uh, what's your budget? Uh, well. He seems very interested in the question, what's your budget? I don't think that's of terribly much concern to you. I just want to make sure you go to a place you can afford. If you want to go to Tyanor's Arcane Tower, you can get all kinds of rare artifacts. But that's a, that's a mountain of gold right there. Hmm. How about you give us a list of each? Well, uh, the closest one's going to be Tier 1 Arcane Imports. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, 
<laughs> Is that a fake ad yet? Or uh, it can be. <laughs> and that just made it better. Okay. Let's just say that's kind of a good baseline for magic items. They carry a lot of things like scrolls and potions and, uh, you know, enchanted weapons that ain't too fancy. More approachable to the regular joke. Is there a place with dog armor? Mm, I'm sure there's some blacksmiths that would happily be commissioned for that. Do you think that Morty is ready for armor? Dog armor. I saw him about to fish while we were boating. I'm pretty <laughs> sure maybe armor is not a great idea. We could just get him a helmet with a spike on it. You understand he must first be taught that... You will not float in water if you have armor. Yeah. I don't know if this is uh, Morty drown in one of these several lakes that are presumably around in lakes. I wouldn't let him drown. I really want to see fan art of Morty with a Kaiser helmet now. <laughs> Just a helmet with one spike on it. Nice. I can take you right there for two silver. This sounds good. Uh, the tier one or the arcane tower? I don't know. I don't need any magic items. I'm buying mines directly from the source. Well, you don't need directions from me for the arcane tower. He says, holding one cane up and balancing, pointing towards Castle Almsor. That tallest peak over there, that's Tyanor's tower. He's the archmage here in the city. I'd be interested to see what's there. Would adventurers be left out of the place for not having enough money? Well, if you have a reservation kind of thing, he's a busy man. Probably be a couple weeks before he'd see you. Hmm. Blah. Even if you're a member of the League. He's just kind of eyeing your costumes and badges and stuff. What gave it away? Ah, I've been around. We get a lot of teams here in Inlakes. Most of the Leonans that have passed through here have their own teams they follow. We got the Ivory Lions. Hmm. Everyone loves them Ivory Lions. Then what about a place between Tier 1 and the Tower? Quality-wise. Well, Tier 1's got some pretty good things. Let me take you there, and if you don't find what you want, you can give me another two silver, and I'll take you somewhere else. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And uh, he will quickly start hobbling off, moving at a pretty good clip. There's some times when he just kind of like hops over a barrel. He moves pretty dexterously for a guy with walking on two sticks, basically. Um, weaves you through a couple of market squares, past some walls, through some kind of like under bridges, and takes you out to a large guild square. There is a large, almost Ikea-like building <laughs> uh, made of cobblestone with birch wood wrapped around it and some red and white banners that hang out front. And it says, Tier 1 Arcane Imports. I can get into this. No unnecessary accoutrements and uh, contraptions on the outside. No stupid arches or giant peaks. Just good old-fashioned books. <laughs> Make sure you try the meatballs while you're inside. They're delicious. <laughs> You can guarantee I will. So you guys are at the market. Um, it looks like rather than being the kind of place you walk into, you walk up to a front service window and then the rest of it's like storage. Oh. There's like some menus and things printed out on the walls, like lists of catalogs. And none of them have really weird names, though. It's not like Schwarzkinker. <laughs> <laughs> Burglvarts. <laughs> oh, Burglvarts almost got me there. <laughs> and uh, the person at the front desk is like, uh, how can I help you? I'm Burglarts. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just killed Zach. <laughs> I had to. We're just looking around and seeing what's here. Here's our current available potions, and we have some enchanted weapons on this category shelf over here. Do you have any missing children? I figure I ask. What? He oh. scratches his head back. I don't understand. No, you probably wouldn't. It's the quest. Yeah, yes, no, I understand. Um, hmm. I don't know. Arvid, do you need any weapons? I'm really looking, I guess, for more like accessories or trinkets or mm -hmm, mm -hmm. any kind of uh, magical items like that. 
Mm. Well, we've got magical shields and armor and uh, ammunition. Uh, armor made from finer metals than their normal steel and iron, things like mithril. Um, <laughs> lots of unguents and potions. What about something like this? And I adjust my sunglasses. A uh, magical thing? Maybe something that makes so uh, the sun does not hurt my eyes so badly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we have a crew of uh, Sverf Neblin who are specialized in these kinds of things. Uh, they make these things that they call goggles of the night. They're a little expensive, but they said that they save them when they're in the above world, as they refer to it. What is expensive? Only fifteen hundred. Oh my! That is very much. Yeah, better price than you'll get anywhere else in In Lakes. That's for sure. Uh, you see, we are we are part of the LUQ. Uh, is there any team discount, uh, sponsorship discount, anything oh. like that? Everyone who shops here gets a discount. That's the whole point. Mm. <laughs> well, I certainly cannot afford the fifteen hundred gold. So uh, this is uh, maybe not for me. Or we've got some some scrolls available. We have everything up to third level for the arcane practitioners. We got a few divine scrolls as well. Any cool rings? Any rings that do anything uh, spiffy? Um, well, we got rings of magical protection that kind of shield your body from harm, things like that. We got ones that will protect you from the elements, slightly. Mm. I don't think I need anything. What about you, Arvid? You're the one who is making stink. I, I don't know. I just, you know, I just thought. I think you smell fine, Arvid. (laughs) (laughs) I just shake my head. Well, some of the things you see on the menu, just so you have the full information, are things like potions of climbing, potions of resistance, water breathing, invisibility, a potion of glibness, something called sweet water, a potion of eagle's elixir, and then under their specialty shelf, kind of like new in, uh, they've got something called the telestone and the hearth slab. How much are the potions? What about the one? Yeah, water breathing sounds pretty cool, right, guys? It is rather interesting. 150 gold for one of those. That's nothing. A pittance, right? Right? No, oh, that's rather a lot for one potion. You can spend your money however you wish. You're from Dornheim, aren't you? That's right. Ten tribes? Hey! Gotta know your audience. <laughs> you might be interested in the special we have on this hearth slab. Mm-hmm. You, uh, Fairbolg, tend to be very communal. Mm-hmm. Got a very campfire feel to you, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Well, this is a magical heavy stone. Granted, it weighs a bit, but you look like you got a strong back. <sighs> And if you utter an incantation and place it face up on the ground, it will emit warmth for eight hours and it won't create any smoke. It's not hot enough to combust or anything, won't ignite things, but you can warm up food on it and keep your party safe and sound. Not having smoke can be helpful if you're trying not to get tracked. I think that sounds amazing. Well, they're on sale today for uh, 100 gold. They should last for a whole year. A pittance! (laughs) You really like his word. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'll take it. Oh, very good. So you get a hearth slab, which weighs 30 pounds. That is quite heavy. (laughs) It's very heavy. (laughs) It is small enough to kind of slide into your bag. It's roughly the size of like a a dictionary, but made of stone. It's very dense. And the top of it is covered in kind of Nordic style runes. And if you place it down and utter a command word for eight hours, it will just radiate a very comfortable heat out in the same radius as a campfire. But again, not hot enough to like burn people or light buildings on fire. Or cook things. You can like warm stuff up, but it wouldn't get like meat to a probably a safe consumable temperature. Hurrithex doesn't care. Unless you like slow cooked it, left it on for like a really long time. Go sous vide about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Is that all for us? A potion of glibness? Again? Mm -hmm. You could be very glib. I am already very glib. I know. We all know. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's hard to tell. There's not enough information. I, I'm the kind of person where if something is printed in front of me, I know what to buy. Otherwise, uh, I don't know. Hmm. That sounds like a... That I, I agree with. I was hoping to you know, get a really good feel for these. Uh, maybe you'd be interested in the, something like the Sweetwater. That's a potion that's exclusive to our establishment. What does that do? Well, it's a tiny alchemical unguent that when applied to liquids can purify them of things like hazardous toxins. It'll purify drinking water. Uh, it'll mm. take a little bit of the kick out of your wine. Not that you'd want to do that. <laughs> How much would that be? Well, it's also 100 gold, but it'll get you up to 10 gallons worth of purification. Mm. If you think you might have a diseased water supply or you spoiled a batch of ale, it might help you get rid of them nasty bacteria or possible curses and diseases, things like that. You know what? I think you made a sale on that sweet water potion. That's a wise decision. You never know when you need drinking water when straits are dire. What about weapons? Do you have anything in the uh, rapier department? We have uh, magical rapiers. Uh, the tiering system classifies these as plus one, mm. and those sell for uh, 1100 Ugh, Too much. Too much. Yeah, enchantment ain't as cheap as it was a couple decades ago. Mm. But with all this League of Ultimate questing, the demand's much higher for things like magic weapons and armor. Everyone wants to go out and slay monsters. Gotta have magic weapons. Um, and I imagine if we go to low-level areas, we might be able to find people who have died and left their uh, expensive weapons lying around. Wait, I was thinking, unless my new abilities as a druid would be hampered by it, I should consider looking at armor, because I take a lot of hits, it seems like. Well, we have Mithril Chainmail. That's one of our best sellers as far as the armor category goes. Uh, it sounds like it might be a little expensive. How much? Uh, 1,000 gold racks. What? I can totally afford that. Guys, should I get it? If you want. Okay. It looks nice enough. Yep. Snack, I'll, but... I'll buy it right now. Here's Sound, my money. Sounds good. So that counts as a chainmail armor, but it's light. It has no stealth penalties. Um, you will lose your con bonus to your AC for wearing armor, but I think it'll still go up for you overall. Well, if you decide on anything else or you find any magic items, you want to get some gold for resale, just come see us here at Tier 1 Arcane Imports. We should probably get going. There are literally, literally children's lives at stake. Very good. So you guys turn and two canes is once again standing there and be like, Anywhere else you need to go? Where did we need to go for this quest? It was the Forensics Guild. Oh, um, where's the Forensics Guild? Well, I'll show you the way. Oh, uh, okay. And I assume someone's giving him four silver for his tour guiding. I'm just giving him one gold. Well, day is yours, ain't it? Yeah. Um, and he leads you through several districts of the city across a long bridge covering one of the lakes into the guild section of towns of large official office buildings, several stories tall, all of them marked with some kind of embossment crest signifying which guild is inside. There's cartographers, artificers, sewers guild, uh, everything down to like woodworking. And uh, you get to one that's getting closer to the side where the castle is on. And it just kind of has a circular lens with an eye inside of it. And it says Forensic Skilled. Well, there you go. Best of luck with all your uh, transactions. Thank you. And he will leave you to your business. So uh, are we ready to save some children today? No, I think I'll do something else. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll go through the door. <laughs> all right. Uh, as you guys enter, there's a kind of a front receptionist desk. And there are some people in the you know fantasy equivalent of lab coats moving about. There are some maps on the walls with information marked on them in very fine print. The woman at the desk says, can I help you? And she looks at some stuff of her. Oh, Mortal Dawn. That is us. We've been expecting you. Uh, very good. Um, I have been directed to take you downstairs to the lab. Well, then we will have to follow. Very good. Um, right this way. And she says, uh, Susan, would you cover me? I'm taking them. And she's like, mm-hmm. 
and she leads you guys into the basement, um, and you walk by several doors that look like they're medical labs. There's some alchemy and some very fine sciences going on, people casting spells onto sheets of metal and identifying things, and you come down further into an area that looks more like a morgue, and she leads you into an office that is filled with four or five different scientists. One of them kind of pops up out of you from behind the table. He looks familiar to you. He is an old, grizzled half-orc with kind of wild white hair. Ah, it's the Morgul Khan! What a treat! Good to see you again! I didn't know you were the team that they hired for this quest. That's great news. Chris goes over to Artem. Um, a lot's happened. Uh, who is this again? He was the person who was trying to cure the uh, the sickness that was going on in the Oilstone Mountains. You remember the Alchemist quests? The one oh, in which I actually first got this and I show him the one. So wand. long ago. Oh, yes. Hi. Research at the lake has been great. The water's much cleaner, very drinkable. Yeah. Wildlife is coming back. The children are doing very good. A little hazy in the memory that might be in part for the powerful mental drugs that they took. But the children here, I trust, are not doing so good. Not at all. Uh, there's been some dark doings. Well, I'd be happy to give you a tour and tell you what's going on, but these children are our first priority. It's a new experimental means of gathering information, and we required the enlistment of outsiders. Be kind of fishy in guild laws to deal with these things too much on our own. The And he will lead you further back into the morgue area. There are a couple of scientists in a metal room surrounded by large metal structures embedded into the wall. And in the center of it, there is a medical slab and there's a man laying on it who is not moving. His chest is just barely heaving in and out. He's got sandy, blonde, messy hair and a five o'clock shadow, lots of scars on his body. And he's covered from the waist down with just a white sheet. Um, as he steps away, Haruthax is going to kind of lean into Artyom and say, I'm not saying he's responsible, but it does seem that children seem to be imperiled anywhere we encounter this man. Mm. It's a little suspicious. Duh. I didn't even make that connection. <laughs> I like that. Well, uh, this individual's name is Gregory Maddock, and he was arrested for being involved in the kidnapping of several children here in Inlegs. He confessed to his crimes, and he's being held in a sort of medical stasis for the time being, while we try to determine where he hid these children that he kidnapped. We're not sure how long it's been going on, but all of the clues dictate that it has been for some time, many years perhaps, that this has been going on, and we don't know how many children in all have been involved. There was some talk on the table of perhaps ending his life and using magic to speak with his spirit, but that is not currently to the letter of the law, as we have not finished all of the trials, and we need to find the children first. That's most important. But we have been working on a new kind of research that may be able to transfer people's energies, souls, if you're more religious, into the mind of an unconscious person. Things can be a little strange that we've studied, uh, traveling in someone else's thoughts, but we believe that with determination and a plan in mind, you can find the information that we are looking for. So am I to believe that this man has not been officially found guilty of these crimes, but you have kept him incapacitated and expect us to root around in his brain without his consent? No, he has confessed to the crimes, but we cannot make any decisions ah. until the children have been found. I missed that part. You say trials are not complete. I get a little nervous. And that was as far as just straight out killing him and talking to his spirit. Da. It's also important if we find out whether the children are missing because they're dead or they've been kidnapped and hidden away. <laughs> this is important distinction. Oh, sorry, I should not laugh. Hmm. You can laugh later. But I just, I want to warn you that it's kind of a strange procedure. We've done all the testing. Uh, basically, I'll give each of you a small silver vial, and if things become too unbearable or strange or you feel like you might be at some kind of risk, you can smash it, and you should be 
kept in a sort of stasis until everyone returns. How much testing has this undergone? Magically, it's been studied for several years now. Are you saying that we can't be heard in this particular quest? Well, what you are going to be projecting is sort of your memories and experiences, and I believe that it'll feel very much like you're in your own skin, save for some times when perhaps you're looking into his mind, seeing memories, things like that. But should any harm happen, you'll be able to feel it. Your physical form won't be at any harm, but if you die in there, you'll simply be ejected. Interesting. And is there any risk of something being taken with us when we leave? Hmm. I think we can monitor that magically fairly well, and if such a thing happens, we would know and be able to take immediate precautions. That is a lot of maybes. That is. That's the whole point of research. <sighs> See, I'm, I'm a little concerned about the possibility of carrying a child murderer back to into my brain and body. Well, you'll probably see some things that are somewhat uncomfortable. I don't know what's going on in his head right now, but based on the actions he's taken and the state he was in when he came to us and we caught him, uh, dubious at best. Do you have information about his life before this? Anything we should know about him as a person before we... Apparently, the name Grigory Maddock was not his birth name, but we haven't been able to figure out what his original was. I think he went missing himself when he was a child, probably as a peasant. The reason we've given you this kind of magical eject button is in case there's anything unforeseeable that happens. Of course, that would be considered a fail for the quest, but we won't hold it against you. This is a highly theoretical experiment. I assume you've already attempted something like Zone of Truth to just get him to tell you. He seems to be a bit mad. Uh, couldn't understand anything that he was trying to say. It was ah. some sort of magical influence, but uh, he's not well in the head. And you're sending us into his unwell head. That's why we're sending a team of professionals who have dealt with very dangerous and risky things in their lives. Also, it was slightly against guild law to involve our own people in something so experimental. I'm comfortable with this. You have to forgive our repetitive questions. This is an unusual situation. I accept all questions. I think that's the root of all scientific finding, is uh, making sure all the information is available and all precautions are taken. Do you have any way of communicating with us when we are in there? Mm, I don't think I do. You'd have to eject yourself. Cool. I could maybe whisper into his ear, but who knows if that'll get through. <laughs> if you were to restrain our physical form, would it affect our projected form? Well... Uh, that leaves us to the major caveat of the main thing, is that while your spirit is out of your body, uh, your physical form will technically be dead. Yeah. Oh, that is important information. I wasn't going to leave it off the table. I just wanted to lead up to it cautiously. Oh, this is quite concerning. Hey, look, we've got contracts. We've got a uh, flying uh, Reginald here. This will be okay. Speaking of which, how will Reginald get this information back? Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, I believe that the uh, monitors are able to do plane shifting. Huh. Presumably they have souls. This is not the question for right now. <laughs> I don't know if I have a soul. Oh, how I long to know. <laughs> this is all getting very heavy. Maybe we just go? Certainly. There are lives at stake, yes. <clears throat> I believe it is in my magical constraints to uh, follow your souls, as it were. Excellent. I will use the same protocols I do for a plane shift. Marvelous. And again, resurrection is no problem. If anything happens, your body is dead, but we can bring it back with no side effects. That's something we do all the time. Okay. Good. Not necessarily out of necessity, but uh, you know forensics. Mm. <laughs> you know <laughs> forensics. Well, it sounds like it'll be a great adventure. <laughs> yes. My only request is, is that you restrain my body during this quest. You will all be fully restrained. If you're ready, you can step into these chambers. Each one is ready for you. It looks sort of like an Iron Maiden without spikes. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so like a metal sarcophagus, basically. <laughs> very much, uh, but very like head-shaped. Yeah, like the whole Egyptian vibe, but made out of heavy like cast iron and 
arcane runes coming out of it. There's like some hoses that sort of lead up into a siphon on the ceiling that's pointed down towards him. I just hop right in. Yeah, yeah. Oh, just a quick signature from each of you signing away. (laughs) (laughs) Quick request. Do not handle my genitals while I am unconscious. Done and done. (laughs) (laughs) Until your spirit is returned to your body via your own... That is not when you are allowed to handle my genitals. (laughs) We won't be able to access you until you come back to life inside the chamber. It Ah, will be sealed magically. Good. Mm -hmm. This makes me feel a little more comfortable. So, shall we begin? For science? I guess science. Mm-hmm. All right. So each of you is placed comfortably. You have some wiggle room inside of these metal chambers. Um, you have a leather strap that's just kind of held loosely around your chest to keep you upright. It's not holding you down super tight. You can breathe normally. You are each given a visual thumbs up through this little porthole in the front. Sir Iphis moves to the table and enacts some things and looks back to make sure everyone's ready. As Haruthax is, I guess, about to go under. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to pull out a ration or jerky or, or something and kind of stuff it into their missing hand. Sure. And the tendrils just wrap around it and start to consume it. And Haruthax whispers under their breath, please don't eat me while I'm technically dead. And it munches eagerly out of anyone's sight. And after you've all given the thumbs up and he begins to pull levers and enact some arcane rituals, the mortal dawn dies. <laughs> game for a hot minute, but I've never once signed up for a quest that kills you before you even started. That's a whole new level of commitment. I don't even like hospitals, let alone deranged magical research labs that want to put me in a metal box full of tubes and kick my bucket in the name of science. Time and time again, we see that the brave members of the League of Ultimate Questing, heroes of all shapes and sizes, have been instrumental in the testing and advancing of medical sciences. Be it new methods of planar travel, medical procedures, or even forensic astral projection like the Mortal Dawn are involved in. Good thing we got a pack of professional priests on the payroll. Half the time these experiments end with liquefied heroes. Elevator pitch is immunization for grave rob, but the fine prints get polymorphized into a hairless tree panda that breathes fire. Never trust a wizard whose ambitions are in the name of science. Well, either way, we're sure to be entertained, and the mortal dawn is sure to face all new kinds of challenges. I'm excited to see how this plays out. I'm not sure I am. I'm calling it now, folks. Things are about to get weird. Does your breath smell worse than a bugbear's den in mating season? Does your morning breath require a con save versus poison damage? Don't let bad breath spoil your perfectly average charisma score. Reach for new Alctoids, alchemically crafted capsules from the primordial essence of the plane of freshness. Your tongue will feel like it's taking both fire and cold damage at the same time. Thousands of tiny spearmints will commit violent genocide on your oral bacteria. You'll lose the ability to taste for over an hour but your breath will be in mint condition and kissably clean like Dornish mountain air. Reach for the mithril tin full of spicy mouth rocks. Alctoids teach bad breath a lesson. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. 
That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, all you cuties, it's Zach. I wanted to apologize for the late release of this episode. Things got really busy and really confusing. That's really no excuse, but uh, yeah, that just kind of happened. Uh, that being said, I want to give a big, big thanks to everybody who has been supporting us on Patreon. You guys are unfreaking believable. You folks are the best. Um, seriously, in the last like two weeks, we've gotten like like ten new uh, subscribers. It's ridiculous. Like the end of this month, we're gonna be like rattling off names for ages, and it's so unbelievably great and it means so much to us uh if you want to show support for the show or if you want to hear like really cool like sided episodes and things like that like we just released uh heart of Axe's adventure and everything so if you want to check that out give us even like a dollar on patreon and you can check it out and it's going to be super great um i also really want to thank our legendary team uh jeff ammon and sunday mladenov for just just their tremendous contributions. But I also really want to thank Tori Christensen. Now, Tori Christensen has been doing the editing now for like five episodes. I'm having a hard time remembering exactly how many, but a lot of them. And I do the final edit, which means I just kind of go through, clean things up and add in uh, all the extras. But she does all the cutting and all that stuff, which is the really time-consuming part. And it means the world that she has been willing to help out with that. And it's really taking a lot of the pressure off. So thank you, Tori. You were the best. Um, we're going to be throwing her into the credits from here on out for any episode that she edits. Um, but I really don't have a whole lot left to say, and I'm trying to keep this one relatively light so I can get the episode out to you as soon as possible. Um, but I just want to say I love you, and let's get back to the action. Hey there, my name's Philip, and you probably know me from one of them episodes of the League of Ultimate Ding Dongs. Kind of made me a little bit of a local celebrity when I had a you call a cameo on that and uh well i used to work at the Yellowstone market but i quit that job and i figured it was about time to get my feet under me and sort of start my own entrepreneurship you know there's a rough economy and all so i got myself a little bit of a food cart business and i'm selling myself some fresh biscuits so if you're ever down in Torrilli, come on down to phillips biscuits and everyone says to me hey philip why don't you sell beans isn't that your trademark all beans that's what phillips says well, let me show you, would you rather have a bowl of beans or a fresh biscuit? I bet I know the answer to that. It's gonna be biscuits, and that's why I'm selling fresh biscuits. And we got butter, and we don't got no jam yet, so we're kind of in a BYO jam predicament, but we'll be getting it in real soon. So, uh, if you come down to Cirilli, come and support this little 13-year-old boy's first business project, and buy yourself a fresh biscuit. My name's Philip, and I want you to fill up your mouth with my biscuits. Come on down. When you die, as expected, everything goes black. It seems like a long time before you manage to open your eyes. And you're cold. You're in a stone room like that of a dungeon. And you peel your eyes open to see a boy with sandy blonde hair laid out on the straw. He looks emaciated, wearing rags. And he wakes as you wake. A rope is tied around his ankle with tiny metal spines sticking out of it. And he's scared and alone, as are you. The figure enters the room, and he has a long, dirty, braided beard that hangs down to his chest, crooked yellow teeth with dark, sleepless eyes. 
Get up, lad. He throws down a little cup filled with some kind of gross porridge in it. There's work to be done in the morning. Everything goes black once again, and you are running for your lives. In front of you, there's a boy with sandy blonde hair who seems to be a couple years older. You're racing through the alleys of Inlakes, and you look over your shoulder to see massive, towering, shadowy beasts climbing through the alleys, tearing through buildings, knocking over barrels. And we're going to enter a skill challenge. Shit. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. Oh, God. I feel like Law's going to make me cry. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay, Law. I want you to make me cry. So let's go ahead and roll initiative, please. All right. So what did everyone get for the initiative for this escape skill challenge? 14. 17. 21. 19. Very good. So first we have Krist, followed by Artyom, Harithax, and then Arvid. The objective of this skill challenge is to run for your lives away from these shadowy beasts that pursue you and this fleeing blonde-haired boy with tears caking his cheeks. At the beginning, we have Krist. You feel the panic racing in your heart. Every part of you wants to flee. Krist is going to run towards the boy, immediately grab onto him and do a silent thunderstep. Mm, very good. Would you like to make me an arcana check? I would. Oh, with a little bit of luck, Certainly. maybe it'll be better. Oh, no. That is a 12. 12 is unfortunately not quite enough. As you run up and put your hand on the child's shoulders, he screams and squirms away. And as the thunder escapes from your body, it gets sucked back like a vortex into the mouth of one of the beasts chasing you. Up next, we have Artyom. Cool. I'm going to go ahead and try to... What time of day is it? This is nighttime. You can't even see the moon. Yikes. Okay. In that case, I'm going to use this opportunity to look ahead mm -hmm. and try and use my dark vision to see what alleyways or if there's any way to dodge away or get to the side. Absolutely. Let's see a perception check. That's a 24. So that is most definitely a success for the group. As you're looking ahead, you see what looks like an open door to a large warehouse that might be a quick way to weave out of the open alley and into some more cover. And you lead the group in that direction. Up next is Hyrothax. Is there a way that I could like make a like a survival check to try and like lose our tracks? These things are like right behind us, aren't they? Mm -hmm. um, maybe throw some sort of dream space food at them to distract them. Can I try that? Maybe you can. You can certainly go. You don't have the ability to like conjure things magically, but you feel like you're just yourself running from these beasts. But you can absolutely do a survival check to sort of get this uh, like intuition of instinct for the predator. Okay. Nine. Unfortunately, not enough. You tune in a little too much with this starving, voracious energy that's on your heels, and it starts to blur between your natural state and your survival state, and you get into almost a panic as you follow the group almost blindly into this warehouse at Artyom's guide. And that brings us to Arvid. Okay, Arvid slows down a couple of steps and turns around to try to shout at it. Mm. Leave the boy alone and... Please tell me that is exactly how much enthusiasm you put into it. <laughs> hey, you don't... Leave, don't... Don't... You don't... <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea, though. So let's see an intimidate check from Arvid. Yikes. That's an eight total. 
All right. You turn on your heels and using all the courage you can, you let out a roar towards the beast coming for you and it just gets lost in the wind. And suddenly you feel all the air leave your chest and a cold panic settle down your spine as you look up at them. You see, as you enter the warehouse, one of the beasts just smashes through the wall. Another one seems to shape itself through an upper window, piling inward, pouring down like a black waterfall, reshaping into this canine form with sharp, shadowy teeth. That makes it Crist. Oh, Crist really wants to save this kid, so I think he's going to try to persuade the kid that this is just a dream. You're okay. Just some way to calm them down. I like that very much. Let's see a persuasion check. That's a 16. That's enough. Using all of your most comforting energies that you can muster and your charisma and your calming nature, you shout to the child that it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. This isn't all real. And something seems to set in and they begin to move more planned and calculated, less panicked. They want to live as much as you do. And that brings us to Artyom. Excellent. I think I'm just going to go ahead and take a good old shot at his stupid face. All right. No, that's 10. <laughs> oh, no. So you turn to take a running pop shot as your feet get tangled in some rope that's in this warehouse that you managed to get into. And you drop to the ground as the bolt goes wide. And just before these snarling black teeth snap down at you, you find your footing and rejoin the group. Hotterthax. As we're running from these things, there's multiple creatures, right? And they're yes. all chasing each other. Hotterthax is going to turn around and their symbiont hand, which in this dream space might be like more like a hand, but also cover more of their arm than just the wrist like it does in real life, mm-hmm. is going to shift and Hruthax will invoke a curse and mm. affect their charisma and try and get these creatures to turn on one another instead oh. of chasing us. Very good. What uh, kind of skill would you like to use Probably Arcana. This? That sounds great. Okay. 17 plus 3 is 20. Absolutely. So you turn around and something about the primordial seed implanted into you did make it into this dream realm with you. And it emits this energy, the energy to consume that which is weaker than you. The food chain becomes a reality connecting it to these beasts. And one of them turns and with its massive jaw slams down on another as only one is now pursuing the group. And you see two in the back just fighting to the death, shadow and blood ripping up into the warehouse. Uh, Arvid. Arvid is going to try to make some kind of physical barrier if they're like crates knock something down in front use an athletics check i love that that's great (laughs) okay that's a critical failure which makes a total of six (laughs) youch so with that as you attempt to knock over some of the flotsam stacked up in the warehouse and push barrels and crates things that are stacked up very tall onto this remaining beast you do so just as it dives under as the group begins to get bombarded by all of the wooden boxes and chests that were stored in the upper cavities and as everything begins to bombard you the last thing you see is one of these shadowy figures dive on top of the boy and pin him to the ground yikes the next thing you know you're hiding in a very dark place you can feel something very heavy and wooden in your hands, a foreign object of some kind. You can feel a metal coil that's being tightened. Harithax, make me a strength check. You. That is a natural one. You struggle to load it. You begin to panic as you can't manage to get the bolt locked on your crossbow. And everything is deadly quiet. You can hear the sounds of some children screaming from a ways away. It's muffled. With a great struggle and surge, you finally lock the bolt into place, and you feel the heavy shape get lifted as you're looking down the scope of this heavy crossbow. And as the screaming and crying gets louder, you pull the trigger calmly as the bolt fires. And with a massive impact, it slams through skin, snapping bone instantly, 
killing the huge guard dog that was chasing the child, inches behind them, snapping at their heels. And you hear yourself shout out, Children, this way, you're safe now. Everything goes dark before you wake up in a huge warehouse. Spools of rotten fabric that stack all the way up to the ceiling. Wooden poles, stacks of boards line the wall. And there's a taller man. He looks like the same Grigori that you saw laying on the slab. And his hands are wrapped around the throat of another man with a braided dirty beard and yellow teeth that are being bared, wheezing for air. A knife is sticking out of Grigori's shoulder. You'll never hurt another child, he grunts, spitting with rage. You're right. Thank you. Thank you. Wheezes out the bearded man. With a loud snap, his body goes limp. Grigori continues to choke him as tears run down his face, breathing heavily, waiting for perhaps a second snap or some kind of relief to wash over him. It's almost impossible to see at first, the dark smoke that trickles out of the bearded man's mouth. His hands are still a vice grip on the corpse when the cloud reaches him, and he screams in surprise, opening his mouth, inviting it in, seeming to make him swell. It pours into his eyes and ears and pushes him to the ground. And the next thing you know, Grigori stands there sweating, his face twitching. He looks like he hasn't slept in days. He's looking down into the warehouse, carefully, tears welling in his eyes. And you see through his eyes for just a moment. He's up on a wooden balcony in a warehouse overlooking stacks and shelves, down into a hole where there are four children in the dark basement, turning a giant wheel of metal and wood, pacing in circles. Their bodies are frail and bleeding, and soft sobs fill the darkness. You are once again in the warehouse, now returned to your bodies. It's cold and quiet. You don't hear the grinding of the wheel. You don't hear the sobbing of the children. Grigori sits alone in a wooden chair by himself in the dark, weeping to himself, smoke slowly pouring out of his ears and eyes. What do you do? How long have you been like this? Looking down into his hands, covered in dirt and blood. I don't know. Are you here to kill me? It would seem that killing you wouldn't accomplish the intended goal. He looks around, holding his hand up. This isn't real, is it? This is just the same thing over and over again until I fade away. I shake my head. If there is something inside of you, can you tell us anything about what it is? It's so dark and cold. I can't remember what sleep feels like. All I want to do is help them. But all I can do is watch them suffer and f feed it. Feed what? Me. All of it. Everything that's making this place. This isn't a memory. This is a construct of its own design. It wants you to kill me. We're inside of this thing. It is a magical construct and it's one of hunger. One of you must be able to attune with this, find out a, a way out, maybe open the door, uh, something. Arthox, maybe we can do this together. We can find a way. Perhaps. I am not certain. If you kill my body, it will find a way out and start again. But if you kill me here and leave an empty husk behind, maybe it'll be its prison forever. Maybe. And you're making a lot of assumptions. Do what you can. Chris will take a second and he's kind of calling out in his mind space, trying to connect to the thing that's been with him so long. Can he feel it? Being in this dream state almost disconnects you from the thing attached to your body. In your mind, it's still there, but you don't feel the normal hum of its energy coursing through your body. You know your magic is still there, but something about it seems more unfocused. I have an idea. 
Yes. What if I just kill you now? You, here, now. Let you out. I, we have the vials. I'll, I can just... Oh, that, that, I forgot about the vials. <laughs> I was fully ready to kill you. If, you. if you use the vial you got out, you can use your head. Maybe it can eat the thing inside of him. It's worth a shot. If there's not, I guess we can do what he's asking. I... There is a ritual I have never attempted, but I am familiar. I could consume his essence, take it inside myself. It is possible that which, and I hold up my rudy hand, that which already inhabits me may also consume the essence itself. I am not certain it would work. Don't invite this into yourself. It's been too long. There hasn't been any suffering. It knows. It's ready. Your suffering isn't as strong as that of the young ones, but it will suffice. As he begins to hum and the smoke begins to pour out of him, starting to shape like a suit of black armor billowing around his body. At that point, Christ is going to do everything in his power and start to reverberate as best as he can to hold it back by casting Dispel Magic, knowing, knowing that it won't get rid of it, but hoping it could keep it at bay for him so he can mm. talk longer. I like it. Uh, go ahead and roll me a d20 and add your spellcasting bonus. I don't remember what my bonus is, but that was an 18. I believe it's plus six, okay. which is very good. Awesome. So you can see exiting from this human in the dream state, there was a black cloud that was obscuring the shift of his body. What you do is you force this black cloud, this miasma of negative energy away from him into the back wall, pinning it there with the magic in your hand. But what remains is a grim effigy of what was once Gregory, a huge winged drooling insect with six clawed legs, humming like a giant wasp just off the ground with a demonic energy creeping out of it. So the massive insectoid demon stares down at you drooling hungrily and says, Time for more suffering. We're going to keep the skill challenge initiative, which puts us at Christ. How do you respond after dispelling the cloud of darkness that was cast from it? Oh, so there's no sense of where this actual person is, right? For your what you see, he is transformed. He's transformed. There's nothing left. And I'm reverberating. Mm -hmm. So I think I'd just lead in with a good old-fashioned shatter. That sounds great. Straight up. And if you wouldn't mind doing the rolls for me. Oh, the damage? Okay. He makes a 24 for his constitution, so he's going to take half damage. Mm-hmm. So he takes eight thunder damage. What's the bonus from your reverberation? Plus four. Thank you. And some of the barrels and crates and wooden planks underneath his huge insectoid feet just shatter and explode, turning into shrapnel as his body gets impacted by this thunderous energy. His wings begin to hover and he lifts higher off the ground. Artyom. Hmm. So you said there's him and then there's this black mass behind him? It's like a, a living cloud that clings to the ground that Chris managed to push off of him. He was wearing it similar to a suit of armor before it kind of got dissipated, and now it's being pinned there with magic. Gotcha. Okay, um, in that case, I'm going to go south and around the bee to kind mm-hmm. of put myself near both of them, drop my spiritual weapon. Okay. As I'm running, I'm going to drop it on the other side of the bee. Understood. Right up against his stupid bee ass, and then I'm going to hit them both with a nice fat channel divinity okay radiance of dawn that's the way noise and i it's a deck save con con save even better damn 
Well, the giant insect definitely makes his save, but the cloud, which is called the Thirsting Death, um, <laughs> Jesus Christ, rolled super good, but he has disadvantage versus radiant effects. So he, in fact, fails his save. Plus cleric level. Cool. cool. So that is going to be a fat 20. All right. And this seems to be hazardous to this cloud of black energy, graciously being pinned to the wall by Chris's magic, because it seems to just emanate pure fear and doubt and hunger. Anything else you'd like to do on your turn? I think I used up all my turn economy. All right. I think as a bonus action, you can attack with your spiritual Yes, weapon. I can. Thank you so much. I am going to do that. Uh, that's not great. That's 11. That does not connect with the beast. Okay. And it seems aware of this radiant weapon that's hovering at its massive feet. Focus on the cloud if you can. That brings us to Harathax. Do we have all of our equipment? Like, do I have my quarterstaff in here or? It seems like it, yes. Okay. Haruthax is going to tap their quarterstaff on the ground and cast Shillelagh. Mm-hmm. And the white roots from their symbiont arm are just going to spread straight across the body, mm-hmm. their entire body, and coat them in like bark skin almost. Awesome. I also cast Mage Armor. Sweet. In- invoke Armor of Shadows. Would you like to move or scooch at all? I will scooch into the corner closest to you. Yes. Yep. I will move over there and get away from the party in case of AOEs. Beautiful. All right. That brings us to Arvid. Yeah, so I can't make it to that shadowy thing to hit it, but I was thinking about running most of the way there. Can mm-hmm. your ram form make it? Uh, but my ram form doesn't have radiant damage. That's true. Oh, yeah. Dangus. Dingus, dangus. But I was thinking I could use one of my druid spells, like go fairly far and mm-hmm. then plan to get to it on the next round. And I was thinking about doing fairy fire. That sounds great. With your speed, you can move to roughly here if you want to kind of avoid the area of the bug. Mm-hmm. Or you can run right up to its base and then next turn continue mm-hmm. past it. I want him to have to move if he wants to hit me. Understood. I could honestly go like wide. Wait, no, I couldn't. Not quite. The objects that are stacked in the warehouse in the center are not terribly high. If you want to roll me an athletics check, you can make a little speed by leaping over some of the lower stuff. Which also looks really cool. Nice roll. <laughs> Landed nice. on the coaster. Uh, that's a seven. Okay, you make it to there. Um, you try to leap over one of the crates and like your foot gets stuck in a smaller one. So you're like running with a box on one of your feet. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, the fairy fire, which I feel like my spell save DC is like really low or something. I think I it's a 13. It's a, yeah. Uh, what's the area of effect on fairy fire? 20 foot cube. Got it. So you should be, oh, a cube. Okay, so you can pick one or the other from this distance. You want to target the cloud or the bug? The bug. Wait, no. Uh, because if the cloud goes on the bug, it would still outline the bug, right? In theory. Mm, gross. Okay, we'll do the cloud. Okay. Uh, it's going to make it saving throw versus the fairy fire. It is not a dexterous cloud of black smoke. Actually, it's pretty dexterous. I, I take that back. Uh, but it fails with a 10. Okay, cool. And then I get to choose one of three colors and we've decided. Oh, right, right. This is very important. <laughs> yeah, let's go with green. If you want to pick your own color, you can. Can I? Yeah, we're uh, as far as color goes, we're oh, not do you locked. Wanna maybe not like completely Chart- break the system. Like, <laughs> yeah. chartreuse. Fifth edition is Ooh. very tightly designed. Right. Yeah. So there is a awful chartreuse flame <laughs> that leaps up from around this cloud of black, and as it's pinned to the wall, like writhing, it seems to be aware that it's on fire, and it just starts to shriek in this howling wind. Whoa. Oh, damn! That was real good. <laughs> Just going to head it off now. Not a sound effect. That was Law's mouth. I wasn't planning on doing it. It just happened. And that will be the end of Arvid's turn. I didn't roll for them, so I'm just going to put them at the end of the initiative because you guys were getting to respond first during the transformation. So the bug, the bugaboo, it's going to use its attacks on Arvid. Kind of scooches as this hovering chakram of light is right up in its face. 
and it's going to multi-attack you using its hooked insectoid beak and its claws. Bring it. And I also need you to roll me a constitution saving throw as it moves adjacent to you. That's much better. That's a 21. That is excellent. As it gets near you, smaller, tiny insects are swarming from outside of pores in its body, and they begin to fly towards your eyes and mouth and any orifice that is present. But you manage to shake your head and fight them off, and you do not become diseased. Those spores are called, or uh, those pores are called spiracles. Spiracles. It sounds like a horrible cereal. Mm. <laughs> um, so white is the beak. We are coming in at you with a 14. And a 19. Woo! Okay, one hit. You take 19 necrotic damage from its horrible insectoid claw. Yikes. Slash. As you wince out in pain and it witnesses the suffering that you're experiencing, it seems to drink it in and grin with a horrible insectoid smile. Back to the top, we are at Crist. Oh my. Huh. I think I should probably cast Chromatic Orb Twinned. Hey. Can I hit the bug and the darkness? You'd need a little bit of a vantage point, but there's a staircase right next to you. If you want to move up onto it, you can definitely target both, because otherwise there's kind of crates in the way. I would like to do exactly that. I'm going to move. Yeah, feel free. 30 feet would be the top of the stairs for you. Oh, I see, I see. Yes, I'm going to twin the Chromatic Orb. All right, so go ahead and roll me two spell attack bonuses. What kind of element are you using? Ooh, this is a good question. Um, I'm going to assume that bugs hate fire, but maybe darkness loves fire. So no, it's just got to be thunder since I'm empowered. Perfect. That's probably the smartest choice. A wise call. So two spell attacks. Please. This one's on the bug. Tan. Six. So I'm going to reroll both and use all of my luck. Woof. And... With my luck, 21 and 16. All right. Both of those hit independently. Do you want me to roll your damage? Yes, please. Thank you. <laughs> is that all eights? Is that good? Uh, it's almost all eights. Ooh, nice. So uh, the Insect Herald takes 23 because of the reverberating points of thunder damage. And the Thirsting Death takes a good solid 19 as it seems to start to dissipate and both of them begin to weaken. It seems like as the cloud diminishes, the vitality of the insect diminishes as well. Oh. Bringing us to Artem. All right. I think I'm going to try and take out the ridiculous uh, death metal band. <laughs> um, and I'm just going to go ahead and launch myself a guiding bolt. I'm going to have an arc off of the spiritual weapon. Mm. So the chakra aligns itself like the sun in the sky, and then a guiding bolt just shoots out of it. I'm going to cast it as a third level spell. So that'll be 66. I'm going to lay the fucking hammer down on this fool very good uh it's very fired right mm -hmm. you have advantage to hit mm -hmm. oh yeah i forgot Wait. that i was have to hit does that mean that i didn't need to use luck we'll say you burned one thank you so natural 20 which means that's 12 d6 damage yep. so let's see how this nice. goes oh jesus christ this, this is would, uh, and just so you know we also get advantage on next attack even if it wasn't very yeah, so just just so you know that's I'm, badass. I'm glad you took the sixth level in cleric six six plus nine so that's 15 plus 11 26 <laughs> that's six so far nine 35 that's eight okay six 41 that's 10 five 46 okay which is a lot. Jeez. <laughs> what does Master Artem say on this crit? Suck it, dingus. <laughs> <laughs> Massive blow bringing him almost to death. 50 damage to the back is a huge amount of chutzpah. 
Really? Blasting into it. <laughs> believe it or not. Um, uh, one of its wings just gets blasted off of its body and the carapace on the back is sizzling with this hot sunlight and it lands on the ground limping at the intense force that blew it forward. Would you like to scooch at all or stay standing? I'm going to give a bit of a scooch. I'm actually going to move to the other side of the crate on the south side and I'm going to go ahead and have the spiritual weapon move towards the shadow boy. Okay, it has a 20 foot speed, I believe. I think so. And it begins to hover menacingly towards the pinned shadow, which is still blessedly pinned to the wall because that would make this a much harder fight. <laughs> Next after that damage exposition is Harithax. Harithax is going to look at this thing and rather than taking advantage of the fairy fire and the guiding bolt, this thing seems to feast off suffering and Harithax is going to attack it right in the brain pan. I want it to make a wisdom saving throw as I cast Mind Spike. Cool. It does have advantage versus spells, but it's not very wisdom. Wisdomonious. It's got a 17. My spell saves a 16. And I literally rolled a 17. (laughs) So it takes half of 17. So it takes eight psychic damage. Got it. It has no resistance to psychic damage. As one of its hooked clawed insectoid hands goes up to its head and you see some of its compound segmented eyes begin to shatter like tiny panes of glass. And the carapace seems to be crushing in on itself as a little bit of smoke is oozing out. And that makes it Arvid's turn. Yeah. You want to give me another athletics check to I'll vault give it over that? Because <laughs> there are definitely crates in your way. 16. 16. That's definitely enough to clear the vault. And with your 30 feet, you definitely have enough distance to close the gap between you and the shadow cloud, leaping off of the crates, coming down on it with... Rage and a reckless attack with Parody's light side. That sounds great. Let's see that reckless damage. Do you want to use your new feet? Where you drop the... Thing and bonus by thing. five, yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so All or nothing. You're just gonna have a plus three to hit. You drop the thing and do the thing. <laughs> so you're coming in with a plus three to hit on both die. That's terrible. That is the worst. Minus five to hit. Yeah, yeah. that's I nope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are those are both unfortunately misses. As you swing and it just goes right through this cloud. It seems to hiss as the radiant blade makes contact with the shadowy cloud, but you don't connect with anything tangible. That makes it the bug. And the shadow is still pinned. So Bug is going to just go over and attempt to destroy Chris with everything in its essence. Oh no, this is real bad. It seems massively damaged though. These are attacks of desperation. White is the bite. I'm coming at you with a 16 and a 13. Shield. Does that make them both miss? Yes. Fantastic. So as the bug comes down at you, The wood under your feet begins to splinter from the impact as your thundering shield blocks the attacks, causing shockwaves all around you, and you see the bug just, like, clawing at it furiously. And Chris just stares at it right in its weird bug face, unfazed. And at that point, it seems like the reality of the warehouse is starting to unfold. Some of the walls are slowly drifting away. The windows are starting to rotate and turn upside down. The night sky outside is shifting to a strange color of violet. And that brings us to Chris's turn. Both beasts are on the ropes. Chris will take this moment to use his new spell Mm -hmm. and do a silent thunderstep. Nice. And and in this one, he's going to do like a slash attack, like a charge attack at it. That sounds cool. Uh, I got a 12 for my saving throw. Okay, cool. And where would you like to move to? As far away from this thing as possible. Uh, probably joining Harothax. You can easily teleport to there. Yes. So you explode in a cloud of thunder, the recoil knocking the bug out of the sky and onto the warehouse ground at the bottom of the steps. And you reappear crackling with energy further away. 
Uh, where you stand, the boards of the warehouse begin to kind of drift like water from under your feet. And that makes it RTM. And just so I understand, the cloud does have radiant weakness? Uh, saving throws, yes. Oh, just saving throws. Mm -hmm. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and slap him again with a third level guiding bolt. Hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right? Uh, that is a natural goddamn 20. Again. What? <laughs> nice. <laughs> is it worth rolling the dice on this? Uh, just, yeah. Okay. Eight. Eight. Five. Thirteen. Seven. Twenty. Five. Twenty-five. Ten. Thirty-five. Last two. Twelve. Forty-seven. Very nice. All right. It was definitely worth rolling the damage because that just pushes it past the threshold. As you not only blast it against the wall with this huge beam of light, it seems to pierce through the center of it, but it also makes the wall behind it explode out as the warehouse begins to topple and you see the insect twist and writhe and start turning back into the shape of Grigori, just hurling blood out of his chest. Everything from the eyes to the nose, just leaking his vital fluids as he's weeping and thrashing on the floor. And as the warehouse begins to topple and fall away, you catch a glimpse of all of the things falling out of the crates. You see large nails, spools of fabric that look like they're made for sails, uh, poles that are used for ship rigging, lots of ropes, and as it falls away, you see the basement where the giant spinning wheel is before everything goes dark and you begin falling. And you snap to awakeness, trapped, panicked inside of a metal box, heaving and wheezing. You realize that the impact had shattered all of your necklaces. Something about the trauma of the place folding in on itself ejected you back to your Iron Maidens of arcane energy. And the doors slowly begin to open as you're being talked to. The words are muffled at first. Are you okay? Please, come to. Are you all right? He's not guilty. What? Uh, my head. Yeah. And we didn't learn anything about where the children are. Maybe we did. We were running through warehouses, and there were ship sails, and maybe there's an abandoned ship makery. I don't know. Uh, a mill. Shipwright. A shipwright. Yes, shipwright. that's the word. M Mill? Look, <laughs> look. Mills have wheels to turn to mill. That's how a mill works. That is not untrue. <laughs> Abandoned shipyard. That's a very good lead. Uh, he just runs out of the room, leaving you guys like just standing there, dripping with the sweat of your trauma. Chris will find like the whoever else is in the room who's like an assistant. Do not let this man die. It might unleash something. Yeah, Herithax walks up to the body and sees if he is still alive. He's just barely breathing as he was. Okay. You can see a tiny bit of blood just like trickling out of his nose. Is he stable? He seems stable, yes. And after a moment, Iphis comes running back and he's got like maps and charts in his hands and he's slamming them on the table. There's only one abandoned ship warehouse within 60 blocks of here. Do, do we go? Do, do we tell authorities? What do we do? This sounds like there's already authority in place. I think probably we want to have the guard deal with this. Yes, of course. If the four of you would be interested in signing information regarding what you've learned, uh, if you believe that this man is innocent, we can put through the paperwork and we will get our people to that warehouse now. Perhaps save the children to find out what's what's hiding there. I'm not confident, but whatever was inside of him making him do these things might still be alive. We will take magical precautions against any kind of outside entity. I hadn't considered the potential of him being possessed. I considered that when he could just be a shithead. We get a lot of horrendous criminals here in the lab. I believe it. Very good. Well, you have absolutely succeeded. Um, if there's anything that I can help or get for you, just let me know. Your payment will be forwarded to your patron. Headache medication would be good. Ah, very good. Uh, we, we, yes. 
<laughs> he'll bring you some tree bark ointment that gets mixed in with water and you can wash it down. Chug that down. Yeah, and it definitely helps the headache. Not only have you succeeded in perhaps saving some children and finding out the truth about what's going on inside of this man's head, but you've made leaps and bounds in the world of science. And for that, I thank you. If you ever need anything in the alchemical world of science, please come see Professor Ivis in Inlakes. I'm here. This is my standard post now, so I'll be ready. We definitely will. Thank you very much. You've done well. With that, the group is allowed to leave, of course, and you can find a nearby tavern called the Seven Maidens, which has a family of seven daughters and a father who runs the place. They all seem very genetically similar. They almost appear like septuplets with just varying degrees of difference. And this place is packed. It's a three-story tavern, but the food quality is great, and you were all given a room to rest for the evening. And with that, you see the camera cut to follow a group of Inlake's guards, golden helms crested with red feathers, and you see them kicking in the door of an abandoned warehouse with the image of ships carved into the front of it. They go up the stairs, they are opening crates with crowbars, digging through everything. In the back, you see dozens of cages up against the wall with snarling guard dogs, some of them alive, some of them deceased. And another group has gone into the basement, where they see four exhausted children passed out around a spinning wheel. And as they investigated it further, they learned that it wasn't connected to anything. I'm, uh, I'm gonna need a minute after that one. This is a, this is a twisted world. Some people are, um, ugh. Kid, this was a dark one. We can, we can throw a fun spin on things and toss a cherry on top of the adventure Sunday, but this one, I, I'm glad, I'm just glad we got folks out there to help. Storm, I completely agree. The scenes played out here today didn't resonate with the usual high-paced adventure and thrilling acts of heroics we usually see on the show. This is a perfect example of the dark side of the business. It's... it's hard to watch, Storm, but I think a difference was made, and that matters. I ain't blowing out the candles at night anytime soon. I'm gonna need a lesser restoration just to shake this pack of dire GBs. Good, um... Good job, Mortal Dawn. We're, uh... Glad you were there to help. We'll be sure to bring you more updates and live coverage of the Mortal Dawn, because they still have a stack of quests to get through on their plate. Will they bring their A-game and keep up this momentum of success, or will the next mission prove to be their last? Find out next time on the League of Ultimate Questing. Jesus. Bum, bum, bum. I'm kind of confused. Does that mean that there wasn't an entity? No, like they were trudging just for the sake of trudging. Like oh, right. their no, suffering yeah. was I figured that. I just, I just want to make sure that we didn't just oh. call this guy innocent than he was actually. Oh, no, there was something getting passed on from, from torture to torture. But That's the fact was they weren't achieving anything physical right. from their grinding. Yeah, against just the the Conan it was just the suffering. It was just to watch them that's do it. Oh, that sucks. That's, it's, it does kind of seem like... Oh, yeah, because this would be so much better if it turned that they were like milling flour or something like that. <laughs> or bones. <laughs> oh, thank God we've got the flour to show for it. Well, okay, personally, I feel like them doing that is worse than maybe them being tortured. Fair. Physically. Ah, oh, man. Well, I mean, that one was a little dark. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, all right. Thanks well, for bearing with the imagery. I mean, I I enjoyed it. Um, but let's uh, let's go around the table and and say say thanks. This isn't Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for new armor. 
Hey. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Yeah, actually, it saved me a couple of times. Yeah, I went did. from 13 to 16. Uh, it's a lot better. Do you want to introduce yourself? Oh, whatever. My name is Sam, and I play Arvid. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. My name is Michael. I play Haruthax. And although it wasn't me that did it, I'm thankful for two critical guiding bolts by, by this mm-hmm. by, by this badass uh, over here. Only because of the friggin' uh, fairy fire. Fairy fire. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was me. Yeah, guys. Nice. <laughs> I'm Chris, and uh, whatever, I, whatever, <laughs> whatever. We failed our first skill challenge. What's whatever. Your, what's your real damn name, Chris? Oh, it's Alante, but you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm curious what would have happened if we succeeded in that skill challenge. Yeah, uh, the, the skill challenge dictates how powerful the end boss is. Oh, oh. Ooh, so we went hard Are you mode. done introducing yourself? Yeah, is that? Done. Okay, cool. <laughs> Uh, I'm Zach. I play Artem Volkov, the cleric of Sunlight and Suffering. I'm also the technical director, producer, and uh, whatever else for Slapdash Studios. <laughs> RTM two crits, Volkov. Sorry, two, two, two crits. crits. And my name is Law. I'm the dungeon master for the League of Ultimate Questing and the creative director at Slapdash Studios. Awesome. Well, I want to thank everybody for coming back to League of Ultimate Questing yet again. This was an absolutely fantastic episode. Um, if you like this stuff and you want more of it, you can always find out. Uh, you can always find more content at Slapdash Studios com where we've got all sorts of cool stuff um, we have new content going up live on friday bonus stuff on uh, facebook uh, slapdash studios and you can also find us on twitter and instagram at slap the dash on the luq.com or slapdash studios.com you can also find our patreon where we have additional content like level up experiences and our d21 sides for our other project that we're doing right now uh, just an interview show with some really famous awesome people like keith baker the creator of eberron mm-hmm. and uh I is there anything else? I think that's everything. It always feels like there's more. But yeah, uh, keep learning and questing with all of us. If you want to give a shout out to us, please do share us on Facebook and everything like that. But until next time, we wish you luck. <laughs> <laughs>